Welcome to the Cleansing Word Podcast of Calvary Chapel, Lake Villa. Join us as we go through the Bible as we encourage your walk with Jesus Christ. If you'd like to know more about Calvary Chapel, Lake Villa, visit us at cclv.org. And please share and subscribe to this podcast. Now let's hear a message from God's Word. brothers and sisters from Calvary Chapel Lake Villa. It's good to be back here. I think uh, the last time I was here was last June, wasn't it, or something like that? Yeah, on a Wednesday. <clears throat> so when Kevin called me to ask if I could do uh, the teaching today, my first response is always no. <laughs> <laughs> Until the Holy Spirit goes, uh you want to rethink that, right? So I start praying, and um, he put on my heart Second Timothy 2. Now, a little background. I'm uh, serving in a ministry called Nexus Church Planting and Leader Care, and uh, we support new church work, new church uh, leaders, church planters across the country through mentoring, coaching, shepherding, oversight, um, support, training, everything we can to help them become successful in the community that God sent them to. And so we have, um, the only way we can plant churches is if we have the leaders come, right? And so we pray just about every day, Luke 10:2, which is the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. And some of you already know, maybe you don't, but that was one of those verses that called me into ministry out of business. But uh, lately, Phil, the executive director, whom I've been serving with on and off since uh, 1990, that's kind of interesting, and I was thinking yesterday, John, um, it's 20 years for you and I, right? 2003? You always say that name for everything. Yeah, it was uh, Revival's Golden Key and bringing uh, Kirk Cameron and Ray Comfort in. That was the beginning of our relationship, right, with Bill the, the three sub, right? But um, one of the things we realized, Phil realized, just kind of praying about that, is that there's something that needs to happen before Jesus can send us the leaders. And he said, Spark, it's Second Timothy 2, 2, at, which is, and the things that you have heard from me from met, among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who are able to teach also others. And we realize, stepping back, that looking at what's happening in our churches, as well as really in the churches that, that in our communities, is that we've lost sight of this idea of equipping our leaders. And uh, we have a saying, from the harvest to the harvest, raising up leaders from the harvest and sending them out to the harvest. So uh, the Lord put it on my heart to share this with you this morning. Um, and so we're going to go through um, 2 Timothy 2. Um, a little background, reading, uh, sec- reading uh, Believer's Commentary. Um, it is this letter is known to be a writing to Christians originally sent to Timothy, and it is the last known writing that Paul wrote. 
he was in prison in Rome and about ready to be beheaded. And uh, as uh, the believer's commentary poet, now aged and worn out from his long, arduous race for God, pens a final appeal to hold firmly to truth and life that Timothy has been taught. And the date is between 67 and 60, the autumn of 67 to the spring of 68. So what's the problem? Well, I think we all know, looking around the world, I think someone mentioned that, that the world is dark, the world is lost in a lot of ways, and uh, Satan, in some ways, is having a field day. But God's church prevails, and we know that. So I believe that many churches in America are not pouring into those who are with us, um, including the churches that we have planted. Um, we are not helping people fulfill their purpose in ministry. And because we're doing that, there's a tendency to enable people to just sit and watch online, right? Or to start watching other things. And um, it also can generate a consumerism that when I come to church, I want to be fed. As opposed to I want to be equipped so that I can walk and serve with the Lord. You know, there's another indicator, and I think Pastor John might and me might agree with this, and that is the aging of the pastors. According to Christianity Today, April 28th, the graying of America, uh, 2023, the graying of America's pastors isn't a new phenomenon, but it has become more pronounced. In 2022, just 16% of Protestant senior pastors were 40 years old or younger. The average age of a pastor is 52. 30 years ago, 33% of the pastors were under 40, and the median age was 44. Many seminaries, as you know, uh, Trinity um, is closing. Lincoln Christian College, closing. Um, they're, they're going online with a lot of their stuff, but a lot of the seminaries, for us, um, many of the seminaries that we were working with had church planting ministries have canceled them. And um, I'm, I'm a apprentice elder at Emmanuel Church right now, and we are looking for a lead teaching pastor, a lead executive pastor, and a um, director of youth ministry. And we've been looking for two years. I think there's something amiss in the body of Christ. Um, so besides um, equipping, I think the other piece, and you guys have this right here, is we've lost sight of the Great Commission. We're called, right, to mobilize, to, we're called to go and make disciples. And many of the churches have lost sight of that. You guys have not. This is preaching to the choir. But I can tell you from a nexus perspective, we have really transitioned to pouring into our guys what it means to be pouring into others and making disciples who are making disciples. In fact, our mission statement changed to creating disciple-making groups that multiply disciple-making groups. Because if we're not making disciples, 
what are we doing, right? And Jesus said, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them, there's that teaching word, right? To observe all the things that Jesus has commanded us, and lo, he'll be with us always to the end of time. So there's a teaching element, right, to equipping leaders and, and workers to go into the harvest. So as I said before, the bottom line right now to me is that uh, we have got to focus on making disciples, and that means reaching the lost, right, because it starts there. Um, how do we reach this world that we're in right now with the message of the pure hope of the gospel and helping people understand that without Jesus, you're lost, right? There's, you've got sin, and no one wants to hear the sin word. They want to hear the mistake word, or I made an oopsie, right? But the bottom line is we've all fallen short, and we need to, to press into that. So because we've kind of lost vision for that, what the next generation is doing is what? They're spending time on the Internet with influencers, right? And there's some good people on the Internet. I happen to follow uh, a couple of them. They're great. Um, the Bible thinker, um, Ruth Long, which I found out later is actually from the Calvary Chapel <laughs> background. And um, these guys are really good, right? Um, Dave Ramsey, um, John De- Dr. John Deloney of the Ramsey Network. Um, of course, Pastor John and his, his podcasts I listen to every day on my walk, along with Greg Laurie. But the bottom line is, because they're not being discipled, because they're not, there's not a relationship there, right? They're being poured into by these influencers, and I think we can all agree, they're being tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. That's Ephesians 4, right? This happens because we are not equipping the saints for the work of ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's also in Ephesians 4, and it's interesting that Ephesians 4 is also a chapter in Ephesians where there's a lot of argument about what it says. Some are called to be apostles, first apostles, prophet, right? That doesn't exist anymore, whatever. And we get so wrapped up in the weeds, we forget the bigger picture. We're here to equip and to pour into others so that they may pour into others, right? So now that we kind of know the problem... What's the solution? Well, I kind of looking at 2 Timothy 2 and took a deeper dive into it. And I think Paul is telling Timothy what the solution is. And as we get through this, we'll also see that perhaps God is also telling us. So the first thing in 2 Timothy 2, Paul says to Timothy is to be strong, right? You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now, Timothy was timid, right? 
I can relate. Because <laughs> I, I had to get on my knees this morning a couple times going, Lord, I am not. This is, don't make me do this, right? <laughs> but um, I used to not do it if John was here. But now I will. <laughs> but um, so anyway, um, he's saying be strong because Timothy was up against a lot of stuff, right? There was all sorts of false teachings going on and all sorts of stuff, kind of like today, right? And what he was saying is stay focused. Stay focused on what I had taught you, right? The pure gospel. He also said that... um, in 2 Timothy 2, to teach, right? And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit to these faithful men who will be able to teach others. You see that? Teach men, teach, who will also be able to teach others, who will be able to teach others. Pastor Chuck talked about this in his transcripts of this 2 Timothy. Thank you, John, again. Um, and he talked about how Calvary Chapel has done that and how he has seen so many teachers go and teach others who teach others and the proliferation of the Calvary Chapel movement. We need more of that, just saying. But anyway, commit these to faithful men. And and the things which you have heard from me, from among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Commit what? What's Paul talking about here? It's the pure gospel. It's the gospel. As I said earlier, Timothy was experiencing a lot of false teachings. He was experiencing the Judaizers and Pastor John talking in Galatians this week on the podcast have been talking about the fact that these people were coming in and saying you have to get circumcised and you have to obey the law in order to be saved when Paul was saying it's Jesus and his grace, right? For good works, but you're not going to earn your way. And if you do, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. What did Jesus die for? So the pure gospel. We have taken our guys through the Bonhoeffer Project. I think I mentioned this last year. Uh, But um, the Bonhoeffer Project is a 10-month cohort where our guys get real clear on what is the gospel. Real clear. Someone who happens to be really close to me, um, at one point in his life, hated me, everything that I represented, and was an atheist. And he wanted nothing to do with anything. And a couple years back, this person sat down with me for lunch, and we talked, and he looked me in the eye and said, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry how I treated you. He says, you know, I don't know if the earth is 6 billion years old, a million years old, 6,000 years old. I don't know any of that. And see, our kids are learning that, right? But the Bible isn't true. 
because it starts in Genesis. I'm going through Answers TV, um, Answers in Genesis, and it's amazing what I'm, I'm learning, you know, the Creation Museum and stuff. But attacking that foundation, right, is what our kids are getting in school. And he says, you know, I don't know about any of that, but I do know this, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he came and walked here on this earth. He died on the cross and rose on the third day for the forgiveness of my sins. Could you say the gospel? Let me clear that that. And this is what Paul is telling Timothy to be strong and teach others. Because you're going to get bombarded. Because Satan doesn't like that message, does he? you got to earn. I'm a good person. Pastor John talked about it. I'm a good person. I can earn my way to heaven. No, you can't. It's been done. There was others that were saying that uh, the resurrection, uh, the, I'm going to say their names wrong. Um, I'm just saying. Warning. Hymenaeus and Philetus, close enough, John? are of this sort who have strayed concerning the truth, saying the resurrection is already passed. According to Chuck Smith, what they were basically saying is Jesus isn't coming back. And we all know that's a lie. In fact, there's some days where I think all of us would agree we pray, come Jesus, please come, right? But then I stop and go, no, Jesus, there's more, to be, there's more people that need to surrender to you, Right? That person who is talking to me a couple years back, now I pray with that person. I can send Bible verses to that person. That person is praying every day. This is what the gospel can do for someone. Faithful men. I know that this sounds kind of crazy, But um, Paul was really talking about men on this one, right? Because that's kind of how the scripture is written. Not that women shouldn't be doing this, but, you know, the men are called to lead, right? Um, So forgive me if the Internet's going to be sending nasty grams on that one, but, you know, (laughs) I'm just the messenger, right? 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 4. Paul defines the behaviors of a good, faithful man. And it's what we know as the list, I call it the list, of the elders. 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 4, a bishop, elder, overseer, then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, Be gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous. One who rules the house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. And he goes on to say, not a novice, lest being puffed up in pride, he falls into the same condemnation as the devil. Moreover, must have good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and snare the devil. This is not just for men. 
it is for the leaders of the church, the elders, the teachers, but some of this is for all of us. And I believe this last part here, moreover, we must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest we fall in reproach and snare the devil. In our workplace, our greatest mission field right now is the workplace. It used to be in our neighborhoods, but think about it. When is the last time? I mean, I've talked to my neighbors. I wave at them, right? I talked with my next-door neighbor two weeks ago, but generally, this world is not that way anymore. In 1991, when I first moved into our neighborhood, we were we all got together, we did things together, and all this kind of stuff, and it just kind of has faded away. But I believe our workplace is probably the biggest mission field we have, and God is calling us to, into the workplace to be the light, his light and salt. We have to be beyond reproach. People have to say, yeah, Spark's an honest guy. I can trust him. I remember when I left Gallagher System Group and went into ministry, one of the guys who was a, just a devout, devout Jew. I mean, he, he obeyed all the laws. He obeyed all the holidays. He was a devout Jew. And I never talked about Jesus, you know, when I was at Gallagher Systems Group. Tim and I met every week. He surrendered his life to Christ and surrendered his company to the Lord. But, I mean, when we were out talking to the bankers, I mean, I'm talking to the top ten banks in the country, right? They'd say, that's nice, Spark, but get my teller system working, right? But um, the bottom line is, he goes, oh, I could see that coming. I didn't have, it was my actions, right? It was how I was responding to things that he saw Jesus in me. So faithful men. I remember when uh, Phil approached me to be his first set of elders in 1990, and he gave me that list. I said, well, good luck with that. I don't meet, I'm, I'm, no. At that point, I didn't have, we didn't have kids. And he said, by the very fact that you don't think you meet up to those, is probably why you're called to be an elder, because you're humble enough to know that no one can meet, but with the grace of God, we can't. And that when... The elder, when they asked, um, Brian Bickett asked me to be, submit my name for eldership, I said, well, I don't know if I meet all your qualifications, and I listed them all out. He said, again, that's why we, we see in you the ability to lead. Paul also went on to teach Timothy what a faithful man was based on how Timothy should be. So in 2 Timothy 2, 3, and 4, you therefore just endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who has enlisted, who has enlisted him as a soldier. Pastor Chuck wrote, the minister of the gospel must be as a soldier. A good soldier enduring hardness. The ministry is not for weaklings. It's not a kickback kind of easy life. There are hardships involved in ministry. And so Timothy, endure the hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. If you have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, 
You are a soldier. He is our king. He is the one that directs us. He is the one that we are serving and following. I remember um, during that time of a mess in the 2020 and 2021 time frame, um, what we were telling our guys is keep the main thing the main thing. The gospel, the pure gospel, focus on Jesus and allow the Lord, Lord and the Holy Spirit to lead you in your communities. And we also told them, as soon as it was legal, open up. Do the online stuff, but open up. And uh, the ones that did that, on this side of the whole thing, seven of them are in buildings because they grew. They were in temporary facilities, and they have grown, and they're in buildings. Oddly enough, in old Sears storefronts. (laughs) But, you know. God has, and then, John, you bring up uh, Calvary Chapel in Rockford, right? The second thing Paul said is be disciplined as an athlete. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes against, uh, competes according to the rules. What are the rules? Number one, the great commandment, Right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And sometimes those neighbors are hard to love, aren't they? But if you start seeing them through God's eyes, there's value in those people. They're just lost. And they need a Savior. I think we all, again, can agree the world needs Jesus. The other is, of course, as you have right here, go make disciples. Reach them with the gospel. Pray for them. Pray that God will use you and others to bring them into the kingdom and then put people around them to pour into them and equip them to learn the truths of the gospel and the scriptures. And then pray that harvest You know, Jesus, in Matthew 9, version of the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few, it talks about he had compassion on the people. They were like sheep without a shepherd. And you know what? In this day and age, there's a lot of people out there roaming around with a sheep without a shepherd. Have compassion and pray that the Lord will bring the leaders and workers. Now, I'm going to say something that... God spoke through another guy to me way back in uh, 19, uh, let's see, 97, when I was going through Church Planting Institute, Steve Ogney, he, uh, we were going through the raising up leaders from the harvest to the harvest, equipping the leaders, right, sending them out. And he opened up that morning and said, Matthew 9, The harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. Be careful, he may be calling you. And the you was really loud. And I went into my room at the hotel there because we were in Fort Wayne. And I said, Lord, I 
I don't know if that was you or not. I'm not a real strong faith guy. So if that was you, you got to show me. And I did that thing that every pastor in the world freaks out about back in the day when we just had Bibles, right? Flipped the Bible open. It went like this. And it was Luke 10. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. There was a couple other things I did, and uh, I said to him, I laid down. I didn't even know what a fleece was. I hadn't read that part of, you know, Gideon. But someone told me later, I laid down a fleece. I go, what's that, right? But um, I said, Lord, if that's really you, you got to convince Cindy, and you have got to Tim Gallagher, Gallagher Systems Group at that point, you know, He's, he surrendered his life to Christ. We were praying and having Bible studies every week. He surrendered his company to Christ. There was all sorts of stuff going on. I said, God, you, got, you can't, you got to confirm this through him. So Cindy said yes, which blew me away, because generally anytime I talked about going into ministry, she had that, you wives know, that contorted look on their face, right? Like, what? No, right? And then Tim goes, well, you got to go do this. How can I help? And I said, well, you want to cover my salary for the first year? And he said, done. So driving home, I'm sobbing, going, okay, Lord, I'm not going to end up in the the belly of a big fish. Just saying. (laughs) So the other one, um, the hardworking farmer must first take care of the crops. You know, whenever I read this, read this before, preparing for today, I was like, what is he talking about? I'm, of course, the Western guy, right? The business guy thinking, okay, you got to pour into the crop, right? And receive some of the funds. But that Pastor Chuck cleared it up for me. He said, you can't give what you don't have. Right? You can't Got you, you've got to first experience it before you can impart it to someone else. So what Paul was saying to Timothy is, you got to grow and embrace the gospel and embrace what God is saying to you and how you're growing. you got to embrace that and allow the Holy Spirit to work through you before you can ever pour into another group of men who can pour into another group of men. You can't give away what you don't have. So what's God saying to us? We know what God was saying to Timothy through Paul, but what's he saying to us through this? I kind of hear going down 2 Timothy 2.19 and then 21 through 22. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands having the seal. The Lord knows who are his, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord Christ depart from iniquity. We've got to repent. There's things in our life that God is trying to work on and we got to surrender them to him and say, Lord, I'm done with that. I'm moving this way with you. And we all have it. We all have stuff in our life that we've just got to lay down and say, I'm done. I'm moving this way. Right? We need to be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master prepared for every good work. And we need to flee from useful lusts, but... Pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace 
with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Community. There's the community. This community. Bless the people up there in the internet world, but eventually you got to come in and lock arms with a group of people who are working and serving together to grow in a deeper walk with Christ. I have nothing against the internet and, you know, online church and all that stuff. It's done a wonderful thing. But eventually, if you don't start coming in and walking alongside brothers and sisters in Christ and allow them to pour into you, and quite frankly, you end up pouring into them, this isn't going to work, right? I know for our guys, we challenge them. When you have people that are consistently online, what are you doing to reach out to them and trying to help them get connected into the local body of Christ? Because that's where the, the action happens. We've got to be the light in the world. We got to not judge the outside world. We can judge the inside, the church, but we got to not. The outside world doesn't know Jesus, and it's pretty clear that a lot of them don't know Jesus. But they they need to discover Christ, and that's our job: is to call them to a repentive relationship with Him. Here's one that's really challenging. Avoid foolish and ignorant disputes. I think we all can agree that we have gotten into some of those, right? Um, The first time I posted something on Facebook, I decided I will never do that again. (laughs) Because it went on a rabbit trail down this path, and I'm like, I learned my lesson. And then I also learned how to delete and be like, I'm done, right? Now, Someone that the the it was it was about abortion and um, I have my views on that obviously and I was like okay no right and um, what I found out later is that person was struggling because they had had an abortion and didn't understand the concept of grace and the person that had the page said spark don't get upset about this you you probably shouldn't have done what you did but she surrendered her life to Christ. <laughs> Okay, that's a good thing, right? I um, I started something that I didn't even know what I was doing, but uh, back in the 2020 time, and I was seeing a lot of stuff getting posted by my brothers and sisters in Christ, and I'm like, we are not, no. So I did, a, I didn't even know what I was doing, but I did a hashtag pause and pray before you post. And it's true today. Pause and pray before you post. Pause and pray before you speak. Right? Let it be the Holy Spirit speaking through you and not your anger, because there's a lot of things to be angry about. But pause and pray before you post. People are watching. People are watching. And they want to see the love of Christ, but they also need to understand that they need Jesus. And that the life that they're in is not the life that God intended them to have. To sum it all up, Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy verses 25 and 26, not getting into arguments, 
because if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. We have a saying around Nexus, salvation is at stake. So I encourage you to pray. Start looking around to see who is in your circle of influence that God may have been putting there and start praying for them because if they don't know the Lord, if they do know the Lord, maybe have them join you in prayer and live out this, right? Because if we're living this out, God's going to impact our world. And I believe that. Pour into those leaders and workers. Pour into people. Equip them for the works of service that God has given them to do. And I know that that's part of Calvary Chapel because John did it for me. We met every week. He taught me about end times because up until I met with John, I was like, I don't know, I'm a panelist or whatever. Whatever, it's all going to work out in the end, right? He says, well, you really probably should sit down and understand it a little more. I says, that's why I have you, John. <laughs> but um, learning how to study the Bible, learning how to read together, right? Yes, there's time to do it alone. But fellowship, community, coming together like this so that we can lift each other up as we go out and fight the good fight for the Lord. I encourage you all to go, including myself, to go and make disciples. Let's pray. Lord, I love you dearly, and um, I praise you. Um, I feel this message is for all of us, including me, to use us to impact our world with your message of the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.